Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. Just, I was thinking, God, I hope it's not a video podcast because I'm wearing a woolly hat. <laughs> that wouldn't be so good. This week, we're talking to the lexicographer and etymologist Susie Dent, regular on Countdown's Dictionary Corner since 1992. Fire away. And honestly, if there's anything that I don't know, I've, I've always got the dictionary in front of me anyway, so... <laughs> always look it up and tell you I'm looking it up that's fine familiar to tv viewers and lovers of language Susie has written she reckons 15 books Jimmy Carr always makes lovely jokes about how many books I've written and how if you've got a whole row of them or looking into a whole row of them you're probably standing in a charity shop etc etc <laughs> the paperback of Susie's most recent book the brilliant word perfect comes out later this month we talk all about sisters and daughters, grandparents and gossip, backslang, eggy-beggy and the tribal language of families. But I started, as I often do, asking Susie what her role in the family was. So I was the daydreamer. I've always been the daydreamer, as well as the really clumsy one. So my father only has to look at me if I'm holding a cup of coffee and I will spill it all over the floor. Uh, it's just total self-fulfillment. So those were the two labels, essentially. I had my head usually lost either in the clouds or in a book. And what about siblings of yours? I know you've got an older sister. Yes. And do you have any others? I have a half sister and I have a stepsister. So I have quite a sort of extended family. And unfortunately, my stepbrother died a few years ago now. But um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's great actually having them sort of dotted around the place because it makes you feel like you've got footprints in lots of different parts of the world. Well, that's a lovely way of putting it. I'd like to ask you, I come from a stable of sisters and stepsisters and so on as well. So I'd love to ask you about all of those sisters and all of that sistering. Mm. But what about your older sister that I presume you did a lot of growing up with? What was her label in the family? If yours was clumsy and daydreamer? Kind. My sister Nikki has always been identified quite rightly as the kindest person in the world she will do absolutely anything for anyone usually to her detriment you know if she has any money at all she will spend it on other people <laughs> and she's also incredibly huggy I feel like I'm quite reserved you know I can hug my own daughters to within an inch of their lives but probably not always to their taste but when it comes to other people I'm not always that demonstrative whereas my sister is full of embraces and hugs and if she does give me a hug she'll always say come on because I'm not putting enough effort into it also she was the beautiful one she still is very beautiful so I often tell the story of how in the back of the car on childhood trips we'd always go to the freezing south coast somewhere in the middle of winter because my parents loved the sea I would be lost in a French or German vocabulary book and she would be either reading some incredibly exciting mystery novel or she would be you know playing around with eyelash curlers or something similar um and what happened to eyelash curlers by the way they're they still went around the they are still around I saw, some in, yeah, I saw some in shop the other day <laughs> um I did try them for a little while and probably ended up breaking off most of my lashes I remember at school 
very vividly someone in my class having seen me speak to my sister and they said gosh is Nikki your sister she's so pretty so it was just complete disbelief that I could possibly come from the same stable as uh, as my sister so yes beautiful and kind and and they too very much apply to her still and was that ever an issue for you if you thought oh here I am with my German vocabulary but really happily reading it I'd like to be more like her or I'm really happy in my own Um, geeky word daydream um maybe a bit of both I don't think I was ever resentful which is strange really because I could have been I think my my the way I've lived my life essentially is in my head my best friend and I are always saying we just live too much in our head and that's a good thing and a bad thing because it means that worries just proliferate and you tend to keep them to yourself or you're just lost in an amazing world that is your sort of refuge so it works both ways so I don't think I don't think I ever did feel incredibly envious but I I look at her now and she's still so warm and just like a child really in the way that she approaches birthdays and Christmas and things and my kids absolutely love her for it. Um, now you said you've got other stepsisters and a half sister. Did they arrive later on the scene in your little duo? Yes, my dad remarried, so my stepsister I don't see often enough, um, unfortunately, Juliet. So she lives a little way away from me. And then Naomi is my uh, younger half sister, so I have a lovely nephew and a lovely niece thanks to her, and she lives down in South Devon. So you know, very much part of the kind of wonderful surfing crowd down there. So I feel, as I say, I feel like I have just sort of roots extending across the the sort of British Isles, which is great. But I wonder if there's something about um, the bond that you have with your sister, whether that was ever an exclusive thing and ever expressed in language, because I'm really interested in the way that people in their families come up with silly words or expressions or mispronounce words for things that become part of kind of identifying vocabulary for a family unit and I wonder if you ever had any of that with your sister or whether you were too busy in your own mind yeah that's a really excellent question I I think you know there was sort of occasionally times when we would use a word and then realize that it didn't actually exist in the real world the world <laughs> but we were totally convinced that it was a true word and now we're going to have to try and remember it. examples I, I do remember that both she and I had fundamental mishearings of concrete. And for my sister, it was always concrete. And for me, right up until I was about 13 or 14, I was convinced that pedestrians were pedestrians. And in fact, I remember writing down in one of my hundreds of notebooks where I just jotted down little things about language since I was very little. You know, I remember writing down, why is it not pedestrian? That just sounds so much better. I have no idea why I thought that, to be honest. But I remember just going on plane journeys and sort of sitting between my parents and reading, you know, airplane manuals or the safety instructions from cover to cover because I was always just totally entranced by the written words and hats off to my sister she never once made fun of me you know it would have been so easy to just say for heaven's sake you know there are more exciting things in life but she never ever did that and she supported me absolutely all the way through I can't remember any of our I don't think we had code words we had secret places that we went we were really lucky to live in the country and we would take off on our bikes with ice creams in our saddlebags and just go to the local stream and sit there and look for tadpoles and that kind of thing so it was it was really lovely but quite often we did just sit there in kind of quietness and contemplation and we didn't feel the need to talk to each other so much so it was in some ways more of a you know unspoken empathy I think Mm. and there is that between sisters I think often 
Uh, yeah, I agree. And it's irreplaceable, isn't it? It is. And it's really valuable in things like Pictionary and other games where you have to inhabit someone else's head. I always think I can slay anyone if I've got my sister or one of them on my team in Pictionary. <laughs> That's a really good idea, actually. We ought to try that. I don't think we do do that. We just do silly games that normally involve actions and things. You mentioned the verb sistering. I, I always have the Oxford English Dictionary in front of me um, whenever I sit down at my desk. And I'm going to look up when it became a verb. And it was Shakespeare. The first, oh really? Yeah, the first uh, mention of it is 1609 um, from Pericles to be a sister to or to have a relationship like that of a sister. And then a little bit later in the 1600s, it was to call a person a sister. And then later on in the 1800s, it was to treat a person in a sisterly manner. So first example, she could be mothered and sistered as girls ought to be. Thank you very much. And I was going to time you if you had to look anything up, but I didn't even have time to <laughs> press the timer on my phone by the time you'd looked up the thing. I'm quite interested by the connotations of um, to be a sister and sistren, which I saw was a word in the 16th century. Yes. The same way yes. brethren. brethren we had as well. Yes, brethren and then bread brethren. Yes, sistren, I can look this up for you, is it's beautiful, I think. And it says a woman or girl considered in relation to another person um or other people as the child of the same parents in other words a female sibling so that goes back to the anglo-saxon chronicles old english sistering is beautiful it's just that the old i'm just looking here sorry it's a very very long entry as you would expect it's obviously all of these like brother uh sister um etc they're they're they have ancient ancestors and quite often you will find because we're a germanic language at heart you'll find german siblings appropriately enough so you'll have schwester for sister and bruder for brother mutter for uh for mother but then mater in latin or mater meaning mother has given us so many words in english it's given us matrix um which i think is lovely it's given us matrimony as well oh, um, right. of course good sort of mother-in-law jokes <laughs> <laughs> and um yes just so many so many other words in english as well which is which is beautiful so they're often quite productive when it comes to the roots and i love the idea of roots because we talk about families in terms of family trees don't we and trees kind of wrap themselves around english in so many different ways even the word true in fact is probably an ancient relative of tree because trees are seen as sturdy and upright and strong which i think is gorgeous I wonder whether in your head what goes on. I've, I've never thought of, I was going to ask you this, but I will now because you've I'm not sure a picture of a family tree. But in your mind, you say you live in there a lot, so you must kind of be familiar with a lot of the places you can go in it. When you're following the meaning of a word back to its roots and sort of seeing it now, how it's wrapped around ways we describe things in the world today, hmm. do you see that visually or graphically as a kind of thing that you're following? Um. Probably not visually. I wish I was more visual in a way. No, I think it's more of a kind of sensation in my head, a sort of sinuous sensation where you kind of follow this trail. I suppose I'm thinking about pictures rather than words because I certainly need to see words to fully comprehend them. And that's been the case since I was little. So total language immersion, if I'm learning a foreign language without seeing any written word, I find incredibly hard because I can't somehow compute in my brain how something looks. I mean, when it comes to trees, I suppose I do possibly see the roots in my head, but 
it's it's interesting. I mean, lexicography is also kind of built on that metaphor because we talk about the roots of the words that we describe. So, yeah, it's a really it's an excellent question. I'm not sure I can fully answer it because I think it might be a mixture of everything. So, if you don't mind, this is the yeah. podcast all about siblings and all about the sibling relationship. So, I yeah. wonder if we can get a little bit fundamental and just look at the word sibling and all the words around it I did a tiny bit of really poor research but I was really interested in the word sibship which I'd never come across but we'll get to that maybe we can start with um sibling to start with yes so ling sometimes means little or it can also mean a person or thing belonging to or concerned with and that's the one that we're using with sibling so a sibling was a relative essentially it was someone from your kin which is related to kind it can be used in all sorts of different ways but one of the reasons i love the word sib um and i'm going to look up sibship for you actually um Thank you. see when that is first used um cultural anthropology is quite late actually it says the state of belonging to a sib um 1908 oh really um, so yeah pretty pretty late and then it's been used in genetics biology and medicine as well but one of the reasons i love sibling is it's behind a really unexpected word which is gossip strangely because gossip began as god sib so it's a bit of a mangling in terms of pronunciation and a god sib was a relative in god in the eyes of god in other words a god parent to a child and the only way that we can make sense of this is to think that a god parent female godparent would accompany a woman at birth and she would stay with the woman after she had given birth and it is then perhaps that typical kind of cultural assumptions assume that they would just sit and chatter about absolutely nothing and that became gossip so a god sib was prone to gossip and that's how it came about which is really extraordinary um strange it's such an unexpected twisty way between those two words that i never would have imagined i suppose that's closer to a doula perhaps these days yeah, a parent in that sense. I guess, I guess so. Um, but it also kind of, I suppose, speaks volumes about the way that we have perceived women over time because almost all epithets for a gossip have been applied primarily to women, whether they're a babletrice or a clatterfart or there's just been so many that, that associate women actually not just with gossip but also drinking tea. Really? So tea was called prattle broth. There were quite a few warnings, like the pamphleteer William Cobbett, who warned uh, people, and men particularly, that they should not let their wives or girlfriends sit around and drink tea because it basically made their tongues loose and their morals loose with them. And it's interesting, actually, us talking about sister because we've got the word sissy as well, which is usually pretty derogatory nickname for someone considered effeminate or whatever. I mean, it's yeah, it's a horrible mm. badge levelled at um, boys, particularly who are perceived not to be masculine enough. It sounds quite 1980s to my ears now as well. Yeah, it does. Me. But that that is, you know, it began as a term of endearment for your sister. They were your sissy. But because of the sort of feminine framework that was associated with it, it was kind of used against men uh, who were considered to be too sisterly I suppose and too too effeminate so it's interesting how language turns and it particularly turns towards women unfortunately ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You describe yourself as a daydreamer and that was your kind of label and role in the family. You're in your own head and stuff. Yes. I happen to know that you and I have something in common, which is that we are terrible or slash brilliant (laughs) eavesdroppers. Yes. Um, I'm incredibly nosy and I do it for a variety of reasons. And you do it because you're kind of hoovering up language as you're listening to people, I guess. Yes, and I always have done. Um, It's funny because I look at my daughter now, who is just about young enough to get away with staring at people. You know know how kids just sort of stare open mouth because they're fascinated by what other people are doing. And Mm. I think there comes a point when actually it becomes rude. But I think she's just possibly on the cusp of that. But when it became rude for me to keep staring, I did just keep listening, essentially. All sorts of particularly linguistic puzzles used to bother me. So remember my mum, one of her favourite expressions still is actually is, oh, my giddy aunt. And I could not decode that one at all. And eventually I did say to her, which aunt? I don't understand. Why is she dizzy? (laughs) So things like that, I would just kind of jot down. I'm just fascinated and always have been by the language of groups because we all belong to particular tribes and use that in the sort of broadest anthropological sense I guess you know we're all part of a group whether it's at work we'll have our own shorthand whether we are a ballroom dancer or a bird watcher so we'll all have our own lexicon uh, mm-hmm. which is designed to keep the outsider out as well as to give a sense of identity to those within it I, I absolutely love that because quite often we don't realize we're talking in it and it's very much the same with family slang and family sayings I think we we tend to sort of shuffle on these sayings like a sort of comfy jumper when we go home and we slip back into the pronunciation and the vocabulary that we grew up with. And particularly during lockdown, I think it's been such a, you know, a saviour really. I, I wrote a piece about it actually for the for the I paper because there were some wonderful threads on Twitter about the sayings used in, in family households. And so many people responded with expressions of their parents and grandparents that, that they remember and still use, you know, with their kids. And there were some wonderful ones, some very funny ones that particularly during the darkest days of lockdown really provided some respite, I think. And I, I'm fascinated by that as well. On our website for this podcast, relativelypodcast.com, there is a family dictionary so people can put in words. And the enthusiasm that people have, it's funny to share their family words, even though they are theirs. And if you adopted them, that would be a little bit weird. But I think there's a pride in saying, I belong to something so intimate that we even have our own special words. And I'm proud to show it to you, but you do know it's ours. (laughs) So um, it's a very funny sort of tension, I think. That's true. Although... I never know whether to disappoint someone when they say, oh, we used to say this all the time growing up and it was a special thing for them. And then 
you know, you realise that actually a lot of people have been using this and I, I used to use it in my, and I never know whether to burst the bubble or whether actually that legitimises it for them because I'm often sent emails from Countdown viewers who will say, you know, my my grandparent or my great-grandparent used to say things like, oh, my eyes, Betty Martin, or go to the foot of our stairs. It Was it just us? And, you know, sometimes I say, no, it wasn't just you. And actually, a lot of people have said this, but sometimes they're really obscure and I have absolutely no idea what they meant. And they clearly were just part of that family. But I don't want to say, no, it's just you, because in a way, they want that to legitimacy. They want to know that it's kind of in some dialect dictionary recorded somewhere because, you know, they might then just fade away, which is why it's a bit like lost languages. I think it's really important that we do pick them up and, and relish them because, you know, like a piece of music, they are so much more than the sum of their parts, if that makes sense. I think so, because often this, in in the best way that language are, it can be signifiers. I think if an expression has come out of something particularly traumatic or memorable or fabulous. Yeah. It, it's just a quick key, isn't it? Like a bit of code to go back to that place that yeah. was very intimate. So I'm trying to think of an example. We have a funny expression that I can't say it on here because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Our puppy was ill when we got her for the first time and we were concerned about her. And this Italian man that owns a pub near us was strangely for quite a big sort of burly landlord very concerned about her and he expressed it in this way that came out garbled about her loose bowels (laughs) and now has become this sort of way of expressing concern for someone or something so helpless but you have to do it in an Italian accent. I think also when you're really tiny, I think scatological things really matter. I mean, you know, kids are always saying, oh, I love poo and wee stories or whatever, obviously, until they're about five or six, and then it becomes hugely embarrassing. You know, dialect revels in earthiness. That's what it is, really. And it's really interesting to look at the subjects around which it collects, because, you know, we've got this number of local words for armpits or blisters or was you know being knock kneed or pigeon toed in the past we we always love to dwell on the negative as well it's the basic things in life around which i guess we might you know we might gossip bread is another famous one isn't it or the shoes that you wear for sport whether they're sannies or gutties or whatever um mm. so i'm not surprised that it you know that, that that was picked up because i think that's what matters to children and that's when they really get absorbed and children do you love i mean they famously do love language the silly bits and the onomatopoeias and the sort of obviously bottom jokes and stuff they they love the sound and the feel of it in their mouths I'm sure of it and when I talked about your book to my boys even though they're a lot older and I was saying oh you know I heard her talking about this new book and it's got a word for every day of the year and some of the words that I heard were this and that clatter fart I think was one of them oh they're 14 and 12 they still think farting is funny of course I know it's not about that but it has the word fart in it oh there's lots there's so much windy stuff in English you can tell them (laughs) so you know things like fizzle which used to mean to break wind quietly or a partridge was named after the French pete to break wind because apparently when it took flight it sounded like it was farting and hoisted by your own petard I mean honestly there's just there's so much in there but you're right they love playing around with words I mean that's why Roald Dahl I guess is so popular because you know the way that he played around with language was was quite extraordinary and it just really really speaks to them I I often get asked whether I'm worried that emojis will just totally replace the fun that that kids have with words and I don't think they will I think they quite often 
use both. And actually, I, I had this conversation with my youngest the other day where we were talking about how we summoned up an emoji on our phone and both of us typed the word and then the emoji would come up. But I mean, emojis are still a very legitimate form of language. You can't really argue against it and, and the fastest moving language in the world. You know, we've talked about... Um made up words and scatological words and misheard words and funny family sayings and so on. Hmm. And some families sort of, and other groups, kids take that a bit further. So my older sister and I spoke a language called gibberish, which was kind of a pig Latin yeah. Cody language, which we didn't let our younger sister find out the rules to until she was probably about 25, I think. Um, and we were really adept at using it and it became a very useful place to hide hmm. for lots of reasons. And I, I wonder if, that interests you as well yeah it's funny and what is extraordinary is how quickly uh, kids pick them up so I was talking to both my my daughters actually about when I was writing a book about the tribal language we talked about I went to talk to a couple of butchers who use appropriately enough a form of, of pig latin at least some of the older generations do so they would kind of go away and literally learn words that they could kind of come and impress their colleagues the next day but they also of course used it as a code with which to complain about customers or that kind of thing then Thea my youngest said oh yes because her best friend uses something called eggy baggy which is another form of kind of backslang or whatever I can't I can't even begin to describe it but you you'd understand once you start speaking it but she literally you learned eggy baggy overnight and can now speak fluently in eggy baggy which I just think is extraordinary and I, I try and follow along but there's no way I'm as quick as she was and I don't think I did that when I was listening I really regret it actually I'm sure I did have little kind of secret codes and things but I don't remember a full-on backslang that I was aware of maybe I had it and I've just forgotten about it but I was I was so impressed but it is a legitimate form of language you know I mean this this is how language evolves so yob for example was backslang for boy so you know that went into the dictionary and and that was just a catalyst for for that particular word and then I'm sure there's lots of other examples where what what started off as a kind of code if you like then became mainstream so just before we finish and thank you so much for talking to me I wonder whether you could do a tiny bit more homework for me which is around the name of this podcast which is relatively to do with relatives and specifically siblings and also just the word family I wonder whether you could go into your mind and do that sinewy thing that you said you do with your great brain and, and tell me a little bit about those two words, please. So, um, yes, relatively is relatively straightforward. It's just a link. I mean, I love the way we talk about relatives in words, at least I do anyway. Uh, it's a link to the Latin relat, that was, which was a verb stem that means brought back. So it's somebody who's kind of brought back to closeness and having a connection with. So that one, etymologically speaking, is fairly simple. Family is an interesting one, though, because family in Roman times actually meant your servants so they were the servants of a household or they were the retinue of a nobleman and then over time it came to mean all the people who live in one house including parents children and servants and then it settled on its modern meaning but yeah it goes back to the familiar a household servant and familiar a familiar as well which you know anybody who likes Philip Pullman or kind of witchy stories will know that that also could mean a sort of servant or somebody kind of attached to you which is where we get the adjective familiar today. Before she put her reference books away I told her about ponky our family word to describe the knees of trousers which have bagged or hair which won't go smoothly into ponytails or bunches. 
Um, you don't want me to look that one up, I'm sure, do you? I do want you to look it up, but if it's disappointing, I might not keep it on the podcast. <laughs> no, that's fine. I won't tell you if it's... Um, I, I don't, no, I no, think... tell me the truth. No, I'm a truth. Okay. Not in the OED. Uh, so the other recourse I have is the wonderful English Dialect Dictionary, and it's the most wonderful treasure house of local sayings and words. So I'm, I wonder if it is going to be in here. Mm-hmm. I'll give you two, oh, two seconds and I will... Uh, no, no item found. I'm going to tell my mum that she is creative <laughs> indeed. <sighs> Fantastic. Thank you to Susie and thank you too for listening. For more information about the podcast, go to relativelypodcast.com or to add your family word or saying to our dictionary, do tweet us at relatively underscore pod. Next week, Sheku and Isa Takana Mason on being two of seven siblings, Christmas decorating competitions and performing music together on stage. There's a good tradition of love and hate Staying by the fireside There's a good tradition of love and hate Staying by the fireside Another rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Although your ma's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, I still didn't do enough for you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 